This is the third or fourth week. I don't remember exactly which one. I know it's at least three. And about uh, what to do in an emergency. And we talked about that... Uh, that all of us need to know what to do in an emergency, whether it be a national emergency, whether it be a weather emergency, or whether it be a personal emergency, or whether we just drive up on somebody else's emergency. And, uh, and uh, we need to know uh, what to do in an emergency. And the first point, we've only covered one point so far, and tonight we're going to go on to the other points. But the first point we covered is that there's nothing better that you can do for an emergency than to be prepared. If you're prepared ahead of time, uh, that's a good thing. That is a good thing, if you're prepared ahead of time. No, it's not good to come into an emergency situation in your life and not be prepared spiritually. Now, we're not talking about having a flashlight and having blankets in the car. You may want to do some of that, too, uh, but uh, and having water and so forth. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being spiritually prepared. And so uh, nothing worse than people. And you, you, can go, you, could, you can go places tonight and see people uh, that are in situations and they are not spiritually prepared to deal with uh, what is ahead of them and some of them are actually even Christians and so well praise God if you're a Christian You're you're at least a little bit prepared because if you do step out of this world the worst the, the worst thing that can happen is you can step out into heaven Hallelujah, and that's a promotion in itself. Hallelujah but uh, <clears throat> Other than that preparation many Christians aren't prepared any further than that and so uh, we looked at extensively how to be prepared and one of the things we talked about is being prayed up being filled up and being confessed up talking about confessing the word talking about being full of the Holy Ghost at all times and talking about being prayed up in other words you had it hadn't been three weeks since you prayed it hadn't been four days since you prayed but you're prayed up that day you're ready that day hallelujah so so praise God uh, always be prayed up Amen. And we talked about taking refuge on a daily basis under Psalm 91. Taking refuge in the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. We got His Word in our heart. Hallelujah. If we abide in Him and His Word abides in us. Hallelujah. That makes all the difference. It makes all the difference in the world. And so taking refuge on a daily basis in Psalm 91. Dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. I say of the Lord. You take refuge by saying of the Lord. You're going to have to take some time to say of the Lord. Amen. And you say, well, I don't have time. That is so ridiculous. That is such a deception of the enemy. You lose more time because I actually put my timer to it. And you know Charles Caps' little book on uh, God's creative power for healing, seven and a half minutes. Don't tell me you don't have seven and a half minutes to change your life. Seven and a half minutes to be prepared. Now, the God's creative power will work for you is even shorter. And so you can do that. I didn't time that, but you can do that faster. And all the healing scriptures that I do, I can, can I time this 12 and a half minutes to do every healing scripture, starting in Exodus, going through Revelation, every healing scripture that I confess, 12 and a half minutes to say those. And, and that's even in, injecting some, some personal excitement into it you know a few personal excitements into it so it's ridiculous it's a lie it's deception it's supernatural ignorance I mean the devil has lied to us when he tells us we don't have time to put God's Word in on a daily basis 
I mean, it's just there's just there's just no way you don't have that much time. You just haven't you just don't haven't realized you just haven't realized how life changing it is. You just hadn't seen the power of the word of God. You haven't believed that the word is uh, life. My, Jesus said, "My words they are spirit and they are life." Proverbs four twenty says that if we will attend unto His word, incline His ear unto uh, incline our ear unto His sayings, sayings, not let them depart from our sight, but keep them in the midst of our heart, that they are life unto those that find them, and health and healing, and actually the Hebrew word medicine to all our flesh. And we just hadn't gotten a revelation of that. Amen. And I know we struggle against the flesh, but we can win against the flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. And just whatever it takes to win against, you know, because that's what you're wrestling against. And, of course, the enemy too. Uh, the enemy's pulling you. He's trying every way, way in the world to block you. He doesn't want you to have the Word in your heart. You are, he can conquer you if you don't have the Word. Even if you're a Christian, he can conquer you. But if you have the word in your heart, he cannot win. Amen. Amen. He will never win if you've got the word in your heart and you're speaking it out of your mouth. And so then we talked about having on the armor of God. And we found out you've got to have on the belt of truth. Hallelujah. The Bible says you know the truth and the truth would set you free. And then we have to have on the breastplate of righteousness. Amen. That's knowing we're righteous. Knowing who, not, not, not something we do, but something we are. Something we've been made, something we've been gifted with. Hallelujah. We've been created and made righteous. Hallelujah. Spirit man, you are righteous. You are one third. Your spirit, soul, and body, and one third of you is already perfect. And that's your spirit. Amen. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to say it to yourself all the time. Especially, and, and you know, all of us come from not, not, in some degree or measure, not feeling good about ourselves. And so we need to say, we need to look at ourselves and say, God loves me. And say it over and over, God loves me. I, I, I say this sometimes, I'm God's favorite. I'm God's favorite. Well, does he, does he have more? But uh, you, you can say it too because he has lots of favorites. But I'm God's favorite. And I tell myself, and I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I tell myself. I remind myself. And we have to, you drop, you, listen, and if you, if that's hard for you, drill it into yourself. Say it all day, every day. And then have it on the right kind of shoes. The shoes are the preparation of the gospel of peace. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You got to prepare for peace. You got to put on peace and you got to walk in peace on a daily basis in order to have peace. If you're not walking in peace, listen, if you're having catastrophes all day, every day over dishes and kids and getting ready for school, and if you're ha then you're not ever going to have peace in the big things. Amen. And so you've got to practice putting on peace. And then the shield of faith, hallelujah. And then the helmet of salvation. And then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We talked last week about the sword being an up-close weapon. You know, if you're clear over there, and, and I can swing my sword all I want to, and I'm not going to, you know, boy, I can just wear myself out swinging the sword. But if you're over there, no, the sword's what you use when the devil's right up breathing on your neck. That you get the Word of God and... Hallelujah. Praise God. And then we talked about and read from Rick Renner's book how there in Ephesians 6, 18, where it says praying always. That comes right after the armor. It's the very next verse. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And uh, we talked about there uh, how that uh, Rick Renner told how in the uh, Greek that that's the lance. That's the, and you know, how 
that was the piece of armor that Paul didn't actually specifically say lance, but it was a common piece of armor that the Roman soldiers had and that the lance is our prayers. And the lance is the weapon that you use from a distance. And so you can take your prayers and get out ahead of the Lord. Hallelujah. Get out ahead, not ahead of the Lord, get out ahead of the devil, and you can take him out from a distance. You can watch, it says watching thereunto. You can watch and you can see him coming. Hallelujah. You can watch in the spirit. You don't see him coming in the natural, but in the spirit, you get something. You get something. And it may not be even real clear, but you get something. And so you can take care of it with the word of God, with that lance, and with in prayer, uh, before uh, before it ever even happens. The best way is to take care of everything before it happens. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you know, if something slips through, though, we've got a solution for that, too. <laughs> I do, anyway. I wanted to remind you two things I didn't say last week that I wanted to go over today concerning uh, the, the armor is one thing concerning the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, we're talk, you know, we're being righteous, not who we, not what we do, but who we are. Remind you of that. Knowing you're righteous. You know, every Christian's righteous, but a lot of them don't know they are. They think they're an old sinner saved by grace. And when you think you're an old sinner saved by grace, the devil eats your lunch. Amen. My people perish for lack of knowledge. The, you know, there's an old saying out there, what you don't know can't hurt you. But that's not, that's a lie. What you don't know can kill you. What you don't know about the Bible can get you killed. Amen. So that's why we come on Wednesday night to renew our mind. But you know, when you got the blessed prayer of righteousness, when God made you righteous, He not only made you righteous, but He gave you the power to live righteously. To live righteously. And you know, there's nothing worse than going into an emergency crisis and knowing you're not right with God because you hadn't been living who you are. In other words, you've been messing around in your flesh or in your soul. Hallelujah. There's nothing worse. And the reason is, turn over to 1 John chapter 3. This is one of the reasons why that's so bad. Now, it's not bad. Some, see, see, a lot of Christians approach this wrong. Well, man, you know, you don't want to be in sin because God will get you. Or, you know, God will let that awful thing happen to you because you're in sin. No, He don't let awful things happen to His kids just because they're in sin. I mean, you know, you, I've, had, I've had teenagers that I knew weren't doing right in my house. But, you know, I didn't do awful things to them and let awful things happen to them because I knew right then they weren't doing right, you know? And you, you've had that where you knew your kids weren't, weren't really where they were supposed to be. But we, and, and God's certainly better than we are, and so He doesn't do that. But here's what happens is 1 John 3 verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Well, why do we receive them? Because He, because he, he, he doesn't bless you unless you live holy? That's not really it. What it is is why, why we receive from Him when, is because we have a confidence and we go boldly to the throne of grace. And if you're over there in sin and the crisis comes, you're not going to be bold. You're going to be condemned by your own heart. Hallelujah. You just don't want to be in sin when uh, a nuclear weapon goes off. 
Cause, cause you're not gonna, you, you know, and, and is God not gonna protect me? Yeah, He's gonna protect you uh, as much as He can with what you've given Him. We'll talk about that later. But you're not gonna be much good to anybody else, cause you're gonna be all of a sudden. You're gonna have to go while 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 all of us are out doing the works of Jesus and 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 taking charge and taking authority. You're gonna be over in the corner, and you know, trying to get right with God and repenting of all your sin and feeling, you know. Hallelujah. Do you all know what I'm talking about? So the last thing we need is to be in an emergency and, and to not be right in, in what we're doing. My grandmother used to say, you know, she's the one that said, uh, uh, prayed up. You know, I told you that. But another thing she used to say is, I got a hotline to heaven. I got a hotline to heaven. Well, that's how we got to be. When you're living right and you know it, and not that we put any confidence, but when you just know you're right with God, you you know you've been talking to Him, you you know who you are in Christ. You got a hotline to heaven. That means you don't have to. You can just go right then, right there, and you know God's gonna hear. Hallelujah. So so I hope you can separate and see the difference. We're not talking about works here and and earning anything and and being better because we've not sinned. Because if we go there, then we all fall short. You know, because nobody is, uh, has not, all of us sin habitually every day. You say, no, I don't. Well, yeah, you do. Either not walking in love. Habitual sin is habitual sin, whether it's fornication in God's eyes, whether it's fornication or whether it's not walking in love or whether it's not doing what God's called you to do. It's all, sin is sin in God's eyes. I know it gets quiet when you talk like that, but it's true. Hallelujah, let's go on. The second thing I wanted to point out, you meditate on it, you'll get it. Uh, the second thing I wanted to point out was in Ephesians there, six in Ephesians chapter 6, was uh, something that's very little known in the body of Christ. And that is, uh, when, he, when he talks about the armor here, and he gets down there to uh, verse 16. Gets down to verse 16. There's two little words there that are real important. And it's above all. Now, the other day I was just fellowshipping with the Lord and I kept hearing that above all. Above all. And I knew God wanted me to talk to y'all about above all. See, a lot of people think a lot of things are the most important. But above all, above all, taking the shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Being in faith, being in faith is the most important thing you can do. And that's why we have worked so hard at Romans 12 to renewing our minds. How we, are, uh, we know that faith cometh by hearing or actually faith is activated by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And a lot of Christians, are they're out there in what I call ozone land. And they're just so, they're really hyper-spiritual. And man, they're all, we're into all this Christian music. Oh, just love all that. Now, I'm getting on some. And I'm telling you, some of it is just flat old, not even scripturally right. And, and they just, they put so much emphasis over on worship. But worship's not the above all. Above all is faith. Above all is faith. And, and you know, every, it seems like every little group 
That's, what, that's why we're called Word of Faith. It's because we put all our emphasis over on... Some, some people put all their emphasis on prayer. But prayer, you can pray till the cows come home. And if you aren't praying in faith, I don't care how long you pray. I you can pray days. And we have, we have monks that, don't, that ne ne nothing ever changes and they spend all day every day. You know, praying. Hallelujah. It's all about faith. It's not really about how long you pray. It's did you pray in faith. And so, so we have to do everything to guard our faith. We have to do everything to activate our faith. We have, and, I, you know, we've got friends in the ministry that we dearly love. And, you know, praise God, God has done such a work in my life. You just do not know how much He's worked on me. I used to be... If you weren't perfect, I could not give you I could not give you anything. No approval. You could be 75% doing it all right. I'm talking about my church members. And if you had one area that I saw that you weren't right, I would not give you any approval whatsoever. I, that is how I was. And friends, I could write them up. You, know, you ain't doing and you know God did a work in me. And you know now, I, and I go around I'd actually go around saying this all the time. You do not have to do what I think you ought to do. You do not have to do what I want you to do. You don't even have to do what the Bible says to do for me to love you and to enjoy your company. I'm, I, am, I'm just, I am so amazed at the goodness of God. And I'm telling you, it has made me so much happier. It is so work. It's so much work to be so judgmental. It is so much work to be so hard on everybody in the whole world. And now I'm just like, we have, and I'm, I'm not even talking about church members so much, although that's how it used to be about church members, but we've got friends, and a bunch of them just don't do what we think they ought to do. They're not even doing the Word, some of them. And some of them are preachers. And they're not doing the Word. Of course, they may say that about us, too. But, <laughs> but you know what? It don't matter. I can have fun with them. don't matter to me. Not, not anymore. God did a work in me. Hallelujah. So you don't have... Hallelujah. It is just so... It's so awesome. It's so liberating. And if you are like... If you have anything like that in me, like I was in me, I, I, I encourage you to let God do that work in you. Hallelujah. Because it's so freeing. Amen. So I said all that to say this, but, you know, so some of our friends, they put emphasis in all the different places. that We can love them and enjoy them anyway, but... I just can look and say, I don't want to put my emphasis over in that place. Some people put all their emphasis on hearing God. Well, that's not the most important thing. And then they have other areas of their life that are just destitute, just destroyed, because what they really need is getting faith about just what this says instead of hearing God. You know, they're just, but they're obsessed with hearing God. Other people, you know, it's just different things. It's different things that people put their emphasis on. But Jesus told us, above all, taking the shield of faith. Then he told us in 1 John 5, chapter 4, he said, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It's not our prayers that overcome the world, it's our faith. Now, we release our faith through prayer, so I'm, I'm totally for prayer, love it. But, but, but it's all about faith. 
And so what I, what I do with my life, and, and I encourage you to do, is I'm all about building my faith. And, and, and so that directs me even in what set. I used to just, I used to pick out things like to order and buy tapes from people. It's like the trickier it was, the better. You know what I'm saying? The uh, flakier, I guess you could say. You know, the more, most, you know, the seven seals of the, you know, it's like, oh, I want to know about that. And so I ordered, and the gifts of the Spirit, boy, I wanted to know, and boy, I just ordered. But now, and you know, I, I wouldn't even listen, I wouldn't listen to a set of tapes on healing. I wouldn't. I didn't own one set of tapes on healing. Because a lot of times, if you're like, I don't know if anybody else is like me, but I was looking for that special thing, that new thing, that, and there's whole groups of people that are looking for that special thing, that new thing, that tricky thing, that weird thing, you know, and it, and you, and the truth is, what does us the most good is just faith, just faith, just good old, plain old faith teaching, good old Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland, just find you a faith teacher. Brother Charles Caps, bro, you know, Brother Michael Billings, this Brother Scott Webb, find you a faith teacher. And, and Brother Keith Moore, hallelujah, and just, just left and, let, and cause your faith to be activated all the time. And you've got to keep it stirred up all the time uh, concerning healing, concerning finances, because this world's just pulling on us. Concerning healing, the world's pulling on us all the time. Concerning finances. Amen. So that's, I'm, I think I'm wounded it up now. I wound it up uh, concerning being prepared. I mean, you've got a good start. You do all that, and then we'll believe God to show us more about being prepared, okay? So we're going to move on now. And so what else to do in emergency? What else do I do in emergency? Well, when an emergency comes, and I am so qualified to teach this, folks. Of course, I haven't ever been in a national emergency like a nuclear or terrorism. So, but I have been in a, a weather emergency. I, I could have a T-shirt. I overcame the tornado of 2006. Hallelujah! Uh, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. And uh, came right, came right at us, right at our house. We overcame. Amen. And so, and and we survived. And. Uh, no, we didn't just survive, we overcame. And then we've had health emergencies. And so I'm qualified to teach this, but, I, but I'm qualified because the Lord showed me these things, mostly. Number two, he, the, in the midst of emergency, the first thing you need to do is check in with headquarters. In other words, you need to check in with your heavenly Father. Things are not always as they appear. We talked about that a while ago. Things are not always as they appear. God knows uh, if it's really an emergency. Things aren't always. I know it's been a, it was after, it was one of the hurricanes that was coming through. And pastor was in South Carolina preaching. And there's a hurricane coming to Tuscaloosa. And if you listen to the weather, it's coming. You're going to be out of water and electricity for six months. You know, a nuclear attack would not be as bad as the weather portrays that a hurricane in Alabama is going to be. And I know that they're kind of like doctors. They give you the worst case scenario. They're trying to get you, uh, you know, anyway. And uh, so, but I'm here by myself and Pastor Avery's supposed to preach on Sunday night and I got to make a decision. 
because whether to cancel that Sunday night service because they're saying it's going to hit Sunday afternoon. It's hitting Tuscaloosa. It's going to be bad. It's coming right for us. But I checked in with God that morning and He said things aren't as they appear. And so, you know, it was my head was fighting me, but my heart said things aren't as they appear. And so I said, well, we're having church tonight. Pastor Avery's preaching. And so we came over here and it was gusty. There was little gust, but that, it was, that was all it ever did was gust and rain a little because things weren't as they appear. So when you are confronted with an emergency, the first thing you need to do is check with God. Pause, take a minute. And, you know, sometimes we just tend to get over there and start running around like a chicken with our head cut off. And, you know, one of the things the devil always wants to do is to get you over operating in the flesh. If he can get you in the flesh, he can defeat you. But if you'll stay in the spirit, he can't defeat you. Anytime the devil gets you in the flesh, you're over on his territory. Uh, the Bible says in uh, Hebrews 12, 2, this is my scripture for this. It says, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the developer are the author and the finisher of your faith. The, when an emergency comes, when, when there's an, a physical a health emergency, uh, something that, you know, they'd say, you need to call 911, or, or if there's a, 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 a weather emergency, any, the, when the emergency's there, first thing to do, check in with God. Don't just take off doing and running and being, because then you've gotten, the devil's gotten you over in the flesh. First, set, settle down. You know, it's never... It's never as imminent as it seems. It's never as imminent. God, God, especially, we're, we, we have a relationship with our Father. He's not going to let us get in a place where, where we can't get out and where, where the devil's going to just take us and come in and wipe us out. And, and, you know, and we didn't ever get even to say, in the name of Jesus, we didn't even have time because we, you know, we were just gone before it all. You know, the devil wants you to think that. And the world promotes that. As seconds count. Seconds count. And so we get over in that and we start running around and we start, you know, throwing clothes on. And, you know, and like me, I used to operating in such fear when I had Colin. He was such a baby. He was a baby and I was so afraid of tornadoes or, and that a little cloud as small as the hands can. I mean, they didn't have to forecast tornado. Just a little cloud would come. And I start packing diaper bags and making bottles and, you know, and I would have 16 bottles and a in a diaper bag I would I am not kidding you he can testify and then I would get pastor but he wasn't a pastor then we were just farmers and I had let fear get him anyway and I would get him and I would say let's go let's go let's go and the worst thing you can do is get in a car if a tornado was coming but this would be just a little cloud and and I would say come on come on and I would make him take me to First Baptist Church Seagraves and we would get under a metal awning it was like a See, it's just so irrational. It is totally irrational. I mean, that would have been the worst place on earth. I guess I thought God would not let a tornado hit a church. And that I would be, if I could get close to that church, I would be saved, uh, safe. Well, I praise God I got delivered from that. <laughs> just be right, be right before I drove everybody crazy and made Colin some sort of, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so no, no, we need to check in with headquarters. That's the first thing. The number 
two, that brings me to number the three. The, when the emergency comes, you need to cast down fear. Amen. You need to cast down fear. Rebuke and refuse fear. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that we cast down imaginations. Because a lot of that stuff is just an imagination. It has no foundation in truth. It is just imaginations. James 4, 7 tells us to resist the devil and he will flee from you. We got to resist fear. When you feel yourself being in fear, you are over in the flesh. You are a Christian. I don't care. The Bible says, though, doesn't it say, or maybe it doesn't say, and we just sang this song. Though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, I will not fear. I think that's actually in Psalms somewhere. Hallelujah. Though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Well, now how much worse could it get? If there was four mushroom clouds in Tuscaloosa County, that's nuclear, you know, mushroom clouds. Anyway, <laughs> hallelujah. We're still not supposed to be in fear. We are still not supposed to be in fear. We are, you know, fear makes you crazy. It makes you idiotic. We had this friend in West Texas. Now, she doesn't have to. I still can love her even though she was an idiot. And she was a pastor's wife. And, uh, and she's so operating in fear. Well, one night, her son Cliff is gone somewhere. And he's, he's totally a little toad. I mean, he's a teenager. And he is, he is a toad, I can tell you. I mean, um, and, uh, so, and they live in the country. And so all of a sudden the ambulance, the siren's coming and it's coming right at her house. She goes berserk. Oh, it's Cliff, 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 Cliff. So much so she told me that Ronnie, her husband, slammed her against the wall and said, shut up. Now she provoked that pastor to, you know, and you know, rationale tells you if your son's off somewhere in a car wreck, they don't bring him to your house in an ambulance. You know, <laughs> you know it, but fear just makes you. We, we just don't. We cannot let it in, Amen. and it's a constant resisting because it's on the TV. Yeah. And you know, we need to guard against things on TV that plant fear. You know, if you watch all these CSI stuff, I don't watch those. Those, those things are too, those things will put fear in you. They are gory. I, I saw enough of one to know it's gory. And if you watch it, you need to pray about that. Because I guarantee you, you may think, this isn't making me fear. Well, just let your husband go on a trip. And there will be mass murders all over your neighborhood. The devil will tell you there is. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And so we have to guard against letting fear be planted. You know, even people, sometimes, oh, some people are just so, so fearful. Second um, Timothy 1, seven, remind ourselves of this. Let's go there. We don't have time to look at every scripture, unfortunately, but I'm giving them to you. You write them down and then you look them up. 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if God didn't give us a spirit of fear, where's fear coming from? There's just, it's just one of two choices. 
There's no gray area. It's coming from one of two places. It's either light or darkness. It's either, you know, it's either kingdom of God or kingdom of the devil. And so we got to cast down fear. We got to refuse it on every level. And, you know, and, and all of us uh, uh, have to deal with fear in some area. My area where I have to deal with fear probably won't be the same as yours. But every, you know, the devil knows your little button. For some people, it's their kids. Just one little, you know. And I was raised in fear. I was raised with every opportunity to have fear. My mom was very fearful, obviously, because, I mean, my pastor's parents didn't take him to the doctor. I mean, he could have been bleeding out of every major opening, and it would just not have happened because you'd had to go to Lubbock to the Air Force Base because we ain't going to pay a doctor. But my mom, you know, I could just gag three times, and I was at the doctor. I promise. I could gag three times, and I would be at the doctor the next day. Back in those days, you didn't go to ER unless the ambulance took you, you know. You waited till the doctor's office opened the next day. But I was there. I was on their doorstep. And so those things have been planted in us. we got to get rid of them. Number four, hold steady. If You know, um, walk it out. Keep going toward the destination. Unless God gives you a new direction, keep proceeding. Proverbs 3, 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Now, God doesn't start directing your path right when the emergency starts. No, he's been directing it before that. Especially if you're believing him too and releasing faith and you've been obeying him. You know, he's not directing it if you're not obeying him and you're going ever which way but where he said. But he's directing our paths. And so if he's put you on a path and emergency gets in the way, a lot of times that's why the emergency comes is because you're on a path and you're headed towards a destination and God and the devil's trying to, he's throwing up firecrackers and all sorts of stuff trying to get you off track. And so if God has you on a path, you need to keep going in that direction. I was reminded of Brother Copeland and Miss Gloria telling about the, her, the not hurricane, what was that? Earthquake. The earthquake that came in Hawaii while they were in Hawaii. That big earthquake they had. And uh, so they were supposed to, they had come from Australia. And they had landed in Hawaii. And they were going to spend like a week there. And uh, Miss Gloria said on Friday or Saturday, I guess it was Friday, that they were sitting out on the porch and they had done their praying and everything out, out on the balcony of the hotel. And Brother Copeland said, we're going to go, we'll go home Sunday. And they were supposed to go home Wednesday. And she said, I thought, well, I don't want to go home Sunday. But then she thought, well, just hold your peace, you know. And so, but Brother Copeland just said, we'll go home Sunday. And so they made the arrangements. They had the car to pick them up at the airport. They had, everything was lined up. Their staff was meeting them. Everything was lined up. The plane was going to get, you know, whatever they get, flight instructions and all that. Well, they're packing their suitcase that morning, and the hotel room starts rocking. And, you know, they're up on like 8th or ninth floor. I don't know. Maybe it's higher than that. I don't remember exactly. And so, um, of course, and so, you know, they're like, okay, now what do we do? And then it dawns on them. We were headed in a direction. Just keep going. So they called down and said, you know, I know y'all are busy down there, but is, is, uh, can, is there any way we were, we're about ready to leave and, 
And, you know, and they said the lobby was just chaos. People just milling around, not knowing where they're going, what they're doing, what's, you know, what, the, nobody knew what to do. And, and, and said it was just like they just kept walking that path and said it wasn't five minutes till a bell hop came to their room, got their baggage, and he disappeared. And all the elevators are out. And they like, oh, how are we supposed to get down? And so they said, they asked a maid, well, where is, uh, uh, is there an elevator? And she said, the service elevator works. And she went over and opened it. And they, and they stepped in. And as they were stepping in, another maid was hollering, we're not supposed to do that. And, but they just said, and he just said, thank you, and <laughs> matched the down button. They went right down to the lobby. And, you know, he said there's just crazy confusion down there, but they just keep walking towards their destination. Now, these are people that pray, see, and these are people that follow the Lord. And, 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 and they just keep walking. And, and, and you know, and, and a lady just walks up to him and said, are you checking out? And... Without even going to the desk, they said, no, you don't have to go to the desk. Here, it's already done. Do you agree with the charges? Yes. They step out into the outside, get in their car. That's, she's pulled up for them, take them right to the airport. Right before the electricity went off, their flight plan had been faxed. They get on the airplane and fly home. Because they, they just kept going because they knew... God directs your paths, and they were already on the path. And so you, that's one of the things in the emergency. Stay steady. Number five, do not allow yourself to be drawn off sides by the devil. You know, in football, now this always fools me because when I'm watching football because I'm new at this kind of football stuff. But, you know, I'll say, he, he, was, he, was, he was off sides. He was off sides. And pastor will say, yeah, but that guy over there jumped made him get off sides and I'm like well he I saw him you know I always see the big one I don't see the little you know it's y'all know what I'm saying but anyway well the devil he tries to get you to jump off sides he and you know they do that on purpose did y'all realize that they do that on purpose to get you to get a penalty well he does it on purpose also the devil does <laughs> I know I'm a real football whiz. You would, you would love watching football with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. The devil wants you to, to draw you off into anything but being steadfast and believing and saying. Turn to Mark chapter 5. He's always trying to throw up things to get us off sides. In other words, to just get us off the focus, off our faith. Uh, I'm going to give you some examples of this in a minute, but let's look at this. Uh, Mark 5, verse 36. And we know the story. Jairus had gone to Jesus and said, My little daughter lieth at home sick. No, that's not. That's a different story. He said, My little daughter lieth at home uh, uh, near death, uh, or in different versions say... Uh, even insinuate she was she was right on the verge of dying anyway and uh so jesus says well i'll come and heal her and uh but they get interrupted by the woman with the issue of blood by the way let me start over when jairus came and told jesus that he said uh, but if you will come and lay your hands on her she'll live she shall live and which was a strong declaration of faith and so they get in and jesus follows him and they get interrupted now 
they come and they say, uh, don't trouble the master any further because your little daughter has died. And Jesus immediately turns to him and he says, you know, before he could react, because see, the devil's trying to draw him off sides. The devil's trying to get him off his face. So the devil, uh, the, Jesus turns to him and says, whoa, 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 don't say anything. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Just keep on believing what you believed before. Keep on believing, because you said if I'd lay hands on her, she shall be healed. Just keep on believing that. Keep on believing what you said. Hallelujah. And see, that's what the devil tries to do with us. We've been believing for something. We've been saying something. We and then he tries to, to, to get us to get off sides. Like, for instance, um, you know, your little kid gets hurt at school. And instead of being in faith, you get the devil tries to draw you off to blaming that other little kid. Do you see what I'm saying? The little kid that hit him with the baseball bat. The devil would like nothing instead of you being in faith. My child is healed. My child is whole. You know, the devil wants you to get off sides because you can get over here and you're mad at that kid. Well, that kid, he's a troublemaker anyway, and you could just get so mad at this other little kid. Now, I know about these things because I've done it. Because, you know, I, I've told the church before, now you can do anything to me, but don't mess with my kids. And boy, I was that way when they played little dribblers. I could buy, you want me to stand up? Just because one time a kid just stuck his foot out and tripped calling him like, I mean, I'm, you know, fire just shot out of me. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> I mean, that's my baby and he tripped him on purpose. Hallelujah. Not, and you know, I know Colin was ornery. I'm sure he had... <laughs> He told us the other night, I did not know he did this about this little kid that had a broke collarbone and had just got out of the sling from it. And, the, and that very day that he, got, that he came back to school, Colin threw a ball at him and broke it again. And, and I'm like, you know, and the kid's back in the sling. Of course, you know what, blame. I said, well, any mother that would let her kid get, his, get out of a sling that day and let him go play dodgeball that very day. <laughs> You know, my kid is not wrong. <laughs> you know, what? Well, you are just like this. Don't look at me like that. You are, yours are angels and everybody else's are little. Well, you know, they're, they're nice as long as they don't bother yours. But anyway, or another way the devil wants to draw us off side is to get us into condemnation. Well, you know what I'm saying? Or get you over in the what ifs. What if I hadn't gone? What if I hadn't, if I had only let, not let them go? See, if he can get you over on, if I had only not let them go to the movie tonight, then that wouldn't have happened. You are wasting, get in faith. You do not have time to deal with that right now in an emergency. You've got to stay in faith. You cannot get into the what ifs. You could not, you can't go to the woulda, coulda, shouldas. You can't even go there with... Uh, well, he shouldn't have been out there doing that. Now, I was famous for that, too. <laughs> Hallelujah. The if-onlys, you cannot, you know another way the devil wants to draw you off? Why me? Why me, God? Why me? You do not have time for the why me's right now. You can lose, you, you know, your kid can go under. Your, somebody can go under while you're going, why me? Why could this happen to me? God, why? Blaming God. Why, why did you let this happen to me? You don't have time for that. You don't have time for any kind of guilt. You do not have time to be in guilt. 
over well, the decision you made to let them go to, hallelujah, and you don't have time for any condemnation. You don't have time to blame others. You don't have time to blame God. You have got to stay in faith to see this thing all the way through. Amen. Number six. Oh, I just got to finish tonight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That was in Proverbs. Remember three, verse five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. When you are in an emergency, throw your whole faith over into getting through that right then. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Throw your whole faith into it. Don't lean to your own understanding. The goal is to get through. When you're in emergency, Throw everything you've got in faith. The goal is to get through. Get explanations from God later. Why did this happen? What door do we have open? Uh, get the explanations after you're all the way through. Amen? Because the devil wants you to get off sides. He wants you to get distracted. He wants you to get under about this so you won't be in faith. Uh, don't allow disappointment to stop you. So many Christians are disappointed because they thought they were believing something. They thought this would never happen to them. They thought they would never, you know, and they had even believed and they had even confessed and now they're in a situation. You cannot allow disappointment to stop you and to stop your faith. Don't let thoughts come like, I thought God would protect me. Now's not the time to question and now's not the time to rewrite your doctrine. Never change your doctrine in a crisis. I mean, if you're a faith person, you might need to change it if you're an unbeliever. But you know what I'm saying. Now's not the time to say, well, I just don't know if that faith stuff works. I just thought, you know, I don't know if that confession stuff works because I've been reading Psalm 91. Don't, don't change your doctrine right now in the crisis. Hallelujah. You've got to just get through, get to the other side. The goal, Keith Moore taught us, and this is true, the goal is always to live. You know, sometimes we've got this little thing of like, well, now I'm just not going to do this, or I'm not going to do that. And we've just kind of said, no, living is everything. Amen? Number seven, put a lockdown on your mouth. You, in an emergency, you cannot afford a wrong confession. In an emergency is not the time to worry about hurting somebody's feelings. Jesus had to throw them all out of the house one time to get somebody healed. He had to take, he had to take a man out of the whole city and take him into the country to get, to, to get somebody healed. And so don't worry. And when you're in, when you're, you can go to them later and throw your arms around them and tell them you love them and they may get over it. But you, you've got to live, whoever you're believing for, your child or whoever has got to live. That's the whole goal. And now is not the time. You may have to be like Ronnie Hamilton. I don't know where he's at now. But you may have to slam your wife against the wall. Gently. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But you may have to take charge. You may have to do like Pastor did. And he doesn't, he, I think he's like one time in our whole marriage, he said, shut up. And I mean, he doesn't say that to me, but he said, shut up. We're going to do this until God shows me something different. Amen. You may have to say shut up to your wife. Amen. You may have to do like my little great grandmother when they'd start coming against her. Now, she was Pentecostal and all her family was unbelievers, basically, bad, unbelieving Baptists. And uh, 
And, and so when they'd start coming against her, she'd just cast her eyes towards heaven and start saying, Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. And she just wasn't going to listen to it, you know? Hallelujah. Of course, they laughed about it, but hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, now's not the time to worry about hurting somebody's feelings. The devil is going to try to use some old, unbelieving relative to get you to agree with him. Oh, they're going to come in and, you know, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Number eight, don't take the approach or stance of a victim. You may temporarily feel like a victim, but you're not. You are a victor. You are the devil's boss. You are more than a conqueror. The devil is already defeated. You are not a struggling believer. You are not trying to escape or survive. Always approach as a victor. Hallelujah. You're not the sick trying to get well. You're the well and the devil's tried to steal your healing. Amen. And then you need to remember this. Just always remember this. This will help you so many times. God always does his best for you. You say, well, now I don't know because his best would have been if he healed them. Let me, tell you, let me say it again and I'm going to qualify it. God always does his best for you with what we give him to work with. The words we've given him to work with. The faith we've given him to work. See, he works with our words. It's what we shall have whatsoever we say. We don't, it doesn't say we shall have whatsoever the Bible says. It says we shall have whatsoever we say. And he always does his best for you with what you gave him to work with. So it's always a good idea in advance to put plenty of word out so that God has something to work with all the time. So that he has the necessary words. He has the necessary prayers. You can, you know, God has used prayers that my grandmother prayed. When I didn't know how to pray, he used them to save me 20 years later. And so when you're putting prayers out there for people and you're pleading the blood over people and you're speaking faith over people, God uses those prayers to steer them around emergencies. And, 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 even, and, and, and some, sometimes even if there is emergency, then, then they didn't die because of your words that you spoke. So we got to give plenty of we got to put plenty of word out there and we got to keep our kids covered and we got to and 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 everybody God will give you responsibility for some people. Of course you're responsible. I'm responsible for my husband. He's responsible for me. And we're responsible for our children and our grandchildren. And uh and we're not the only ones responsible because they're responsible for themselves too now. And they could override what we're saying. But if they're not overriding what we're saying, then God's going to go with what we said. He's going to go with these words. Amen. And so even when they're not doing right and they're not living right and ours are, I'm not saying that, but if they weren't and if they were too young and they didn't understand and they just that wasn't their focus right then and maybe well God's going to use what we give him to bring them through and to protect them. And you know, you just know that a lot of families, they're just not, they just don't, they're ignorant of this. And, 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 and you know, if, if you have a faith, if you have a situation where it didn't go like you planned, don't get under condemnation for it. We're all growing, we're all learning. 
we're getting perfected at this, but we're not there yet. And so don't be embarrassed in front of the church. I felt like sometimes that people have had situations where they had to go to the doctor or they had a sickness or they had, and they were embarrassed in front of the church. Like I wasn't in faith and, and this is a faith church. You know, we're not condemning anybody. We're all growing and learning. And if the devil sneaks in, well, you know, you can still be a victor. Amen. Uh, and then the last thing is uh, to uh, check up on your confession on a daily basis, but what you're confessing every day and make sure you're putting a lot of word out. But also look back and let the Holy Ghost shine his light on anything you've said in the past. Anything you, and I just will, I don't want to end on a negative note, and this is kind of negative, so I'll end on it anyway, but because it's a good point. But I know there was this Ramah student, and, uh, and Brother Keith Moore was praying for him, and they prayed for him personally. Brother Hagen was praying for him, and he just wasn't getting better. And, in fact, he was dying. And, uh, and he did die. And the Lord spoke to Brother Hagen, because Brother Hagen's like, I don't understand why this kid died. I wasn't able to get him healed. And Brother God spoke to Brother Hagen. He said, spiritual law has been, in, been put into motion that cannot be changed at this time. And after the funeral, somebody, you know, you, a lot of times if you just listen and be quiet, somebody will come up and tell you what they were saying. But this young man, for some reason, had got it in his mind, and he had said, even when he was a young boy, I won't live past 30 or something like that. And he had always just jokingly said that. And he had put spiritual law into motion that there's sometimes it can't be changed. It's gone too far. God's given them opportunity to change it, and they just kept either joking around with it or, or you know, or just somehow the devil convinced them of it. And, and, uh, and it didn't have to be. And so, you know, make sure that you hadn't been saying something about your kids or about yourself, about... You know, well, Granny died of this, and she had it, and you know, it's in the family. I hear people say that all the time. If you know, if you're, and to be honest with you, I don't like to lie, and I don't, I don't like to lie. That sounds bad. I hope this isn't a lie. Let me say that this way. But you know, you fill out those forms at doctors, and I just ain't gonna tell them every everything that's in the family history. I just don't write it down. I just kind of like, oops, <laughs> go on past that page. Oops, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's just like, I, you're not going to put that on me because we've been refathered from above. God is our father and we're not receiving those natural inheritances. And so they say, well, does anybody in your family have? And I just go, <laughs> you know, and I just, I just skip over that part. You know, and I, and maybe that's lying, and I hope it's not. But you know, you just don't have to tell everything you know. Amen. So make sure you hadn't put something out there, and put a spiritual law in motion. Amen. Hallelujah. So you're ready now. If you do all this thing, you're ready for anything that would come. And you know what I personally believe is, when you get ready, not much of anything ever comes. Because the devil looks out there and goes, they're too ready. There's no doubt that, that the devil does attack people that are working for God. But he also respects people that, are, that know who they are and that are 
gonna mash his face in the ground and he know you know what i'm saying and he'll try it he'll try it he'll see how far he can go with it but hallelujah the best thing you can do to keep the devil at bay is to be prepared amen hallelujah we'll stand up together and so we're through and next wednesday night we'll be having david ellis